You're listening to Shine On Policycast, Solar Power Europe's podcast that brings you EU solar policy updates in 10 minutes or less. I'm your host, Bethany Mubin, Head of Press and Policy Comms at Solar Power Europe. You can find me on Twitter at Solar Power Beth. And today we're joined by Jan Ozenberg, Policy Advisor at Solar Power Europe, who can be found on Twitter at Ozenberg underscore Jan. Welcome back to PolicyCast, Jan. Um, I think last time we had you, it was uh, on EPPD, um, and we hadn't had our, our upgrade yet on the, the mics. Um, but this this week, we'll talk about um, a different policy file, so the market design revision that came in uh, in March, um, and specifically how it relates to energy sharing. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about this energy sharing concept. It's, it's new in terms of EU-level mm-hmm. legislation. Um, and how is it different from existing models like energy communities? Mm-hmm. Um, and why is it so great? Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, thanks a lot, uh, Bethany. So the energy sharing concept is actually quite the foundation of what we usually call the decentralized electricity system. The things that you always see with the cool graphics, with the cars charging when the sun is shining from different buildings. Um, and that's a little bit the foundation for all this. And the core of this concept is that you and I can soon trade electricity with each other. So when your solar panel generates, um, you can sell it to me against the price. Um, and we can do this uh, either bilaterally or with a platform or you can have like online platforms that facilitate this. Uh, so that's the, the core idea of this. Um, but of course, you can also have a big supermarket which has a rooftop system, uh, a roof solar system on the roof. Uh, to sell to both of us, which would also be possible. Right. Um, so it means that if I don't have solar panels, I can still buy solar electricity. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Exactly that. Yeah. Uh, and presumably cheaper than the market rate. Absolutely. So um, it's already implemented in, in Portugal and in France. Those are the, the two frontrunner countries. Um, and experience shows that the rates are, let's say, 60 to 70% of the of the market rate. Oh, nice. But it can be anything any, any anything between uh, the wholesale market price and the supplier rate, um, which would be the, the price where it actually makes sense to trade energy. Above the supplier rate, nobody would buy it. Below the wholesale market price, you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't sell it, but you would sell to the wholesale market. Oh, okay. Um, and then just to, if we go back a little bit, how does that relate to the existing structures like energy communities? Because they can complement one another, but they're different. Yes, exactly. So uh, energy sharing can be used inside energy communities. Um, but the main difference is that energy communities are an organizational concept uh, and energy sharing is an activity. Um, so what this means is, in energy sharing, you have to set up an organization. Um, every everybody has to have certain rights to contribute to the decisions. There are some voting rules, but also ownership rules, um, which makes it uh, a very democratic organization. But at the same time, it's very difficult to handle. Um, and we have already seen countries like in the Netherlands where uh, you have reached a uh, saturation point on energy communities. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's only a minority of the citizens. So with energy sharing, we really hope to reach all citizens because it's very simple. You sign a contract and it's done. Oh, that's great. And you mentioned uh, France and Portugal. So, I mean, this happening in a couple of member states. I mean, what can we learn from their experiences and uh, mm-hmm. how is it working out for them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, yes, what we see, um, France, Portugal, Spain, Belgium are the four countries which have kind of implemented it. 
and what we see in Spain is it only works if you allow third companies to um, manage the scheme. They take care of the permitting, they take care of the communication with the grid operator, uh, they um, make sure to match the produ producers with the receivers. So that's really a key component. Um, and then we see what we can learn from them is how to integrate it with the grid operators and the electricity suppliers. Um, because it actually changes um, the operation for the grid operators. The grid operators, will um, what they essentially do is, based on a sharing coefficient, which we have agreed upon, um, they, um, on a piece of paper, allocate the volumes that have been produced by my solar panels to your consumption point. So it's basically a, a virtual calculation where they add my my generation to your consumption. Right. Um, and that's that's the first thing. Um, that's, of course, a piece of uh, technical infrastructure that has to be implemented and where you can get best practices. And the second thing is uh, suppliers, how suppliers integrate this into their portfolio. Um, because usually you have one electricity supplier at one connection point. Um, and what they do is um, they nominate a certain value which they will provide to you. Um, and then they kind of have to balance for fluctuations such as when you consume less um, than expected or when you have solar panels uh, which generate, which um, they didn't expect, or when you participate in some kind of aggregation scheme. So they kind of have to balance all of this. Mm -hmm. um, and now with energy sharing, there's an additional source of, of fluctuation in there, um, which is can be compared to self-consumption, but only at a different building. Okay. So um, this is also a technical process that has to that we can learn from Portugal and France to integrate it in other countries. And you and you mentioned um, kind of the role of the grid operator here, um, and it's interesting to come back to um, because what's the kind of impact of energy sharing on the grid? Mm -hmm. um, so, in general, without without further specifying, there's no impact on the grid. <laughs> no, you can <laughs> really <laughs> you can really say that. Let's say unless it's within the same bidding zone. This is a, but then we're talking about different. Um, technicalities which would make trading between diff different bidding zones more complicated but let's say we keep it to the bidding zone um, and the reason is that it's only a virtual calculation so uh, my solar panels would still feed in the same way than they do um, if we had a if we had no sharing concept but and now is the but um, if we live in the same district and in the same let's say in the same region where we are neighbors um, then, because there is a price difference, the energy that is shared is cheaper than the supplier electricity. You actually have an incentive to consume right at the same time when I when my solar panels produce, um, and that basically means that the electrons only flow directly between us, meaning that they don't penetrate the higher grid levels. Okay. Um, the distribution don't get the transmission grid. Exactly, exactly that, and. Uh, here, of course, you have lower costs. Sometimes you have uh, grid congestion on the higher grid, mm -hmm. grid levels um, and you save basically on the electricity grid infrastructure. Ah, so good for people, good for grids. <laughs> That's it. Um, so you, you recently had a paper on, uh, uh, on I think it was originally called Collective Self-Consumption and now we've rebranded it to Energy Sharing. Um, if you were to give us kind of three key takeaways from, from that paper, what would it be? Um, yeah, I think um, most relevant at the moment with the revision of the electricity market design, um, the first key takeaway is you need certain dedicated grid tariffs, um, how we call them, to make sure that you have an incentive to, to, to consume locally and to actually 
have a benefit for the electricity grid. Um, without these grid tariffs, they were, we could just live far away and there's no incentive. Uh, second point is um, we should have large companies participating also as consumers of electricity so that um, you and I could also sell our electricity uh, when we are here at work at Solar Power Europe. We could sell our electricity to the companies, for example, like a supermarket. Mm. Um, and that means that we, yeah, we have a good offtaker for our electricity. Um, so that's the second point. Um, and the third point is um, we believe there should be a threshold. Not all power plants should be able to participate, but only power plants below a certain, a certain level. And we say power plants between below like 5 to 10 megawatts. Um, should, should be allowed to participate in energy sharing. Um, the ones above should still like sell their electricity via the wholesale markets, via the PPAs or the contracts for difference. Um, and the reason is really that um, first, we want to give an incentive to use rooftop uh, and artificial structure with no environmental impact uh, to, to energy sharing because otherwise the utility scale plants are so much cheaper, they would just push out all the rooftop solar from the market, uh, which is not what we want. We want to have the low environmental impact and want the high citizen support uh, solar to be to be used first. Mm -hmm. And that's the first point. And the second one is um, it could become an incentive for utilities to use energy sharing to circumvent the electricity markets, okay. to circumvent the supplies. <laughs> it gets very messy very quickly. <laughs> yeah, so we set a threshold at yeah. 5 to 10 megawatts. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. Okay, so those are some of your, your recommendations in the paper, and you can check that out on the Solar Power Europe website. Um, but then if there's one one kind of key takeaway from the concept of energy sharing and why we need to, to get it right in, in the market design, what, what would it be? Yeah, I think the, the especially in the context of the market design, the main benefit is that it's it's meant to protect citizens from wholesale market prices. We've seen in the energy price in the energy crisis that um, electricity prices just went out the roof, um, and solar energy or wind energy used in energy sharing is not coupled to wholesale market prices, so it provides a really a steady a steady steady price, which is a good opportunity to protect citizens from uh, any external shocks and high prices. Oh, great. So helps you protect uh, yourself from volatility. It's uh, yeah, another reason why we should uh, we should push through the market design. Uh, but then speaking of, of market design, um, what about the political process on, on getting it on board? Uh, will that be volatile? <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope it's going to be not that volatile and straightforward, but uh, usually it's not right. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get through trilogues and we'll bring it all back now. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, uh, Parliament and Council are already finalizing their positions. Um, I'd say uh, by uh, June, end of June, maybe early July, both of them will have their positions. Um, and then the trilogues start after summer um, and they will finalize by uh, December, so end of the year, roundabout. Um, and that means we have a law mm -hmm. at the end of the year. Um, and um, probably, let's say now, 2023, at the end of 2025, this should be uh, in, in place in all European member states. Oh, and then energy sharing will, will really take off. That's, uh, yeah, some, some good news. Uh, but thanks so much for your insights today, Jan. And uh, maybe we'll have you back on PolicyCasting to talk more about energy sharing and citizens of the solar. Um, yeah, thank you. Thanks a lot. <laughs>